can't seem to get that synth sound out of anything other than a real synth, you know, a real heavy German-made synth, uh, you know, by Waldorf. Um, I forget what it's called. It's it's the newest thing they have, but it's got that aftertouch that, uh, yeah, I couldn't decide on on a drum beat with that. It was just a jam. I couldn't decide just with trying anything that, you know, nothing really worked, so... Uh, you know, but I, I just love the way that synth sounds. I really do. I just, it's just, uh, I'm not really even working that hard at it. I've got this idea in my mind about this little, you know, these little triplets going on at, up at the very top of the, of the keys. And, uh, um, it's just really an accent, you know, maybe it's a scene. And I think what I would do on the drums is I probably, uh, no, I wouldn't just shotgun it out there and try every beat there is. I would just probably, um, uh, if I ever revisit it again, or if I do another one like that, that's where I'm playing bass and 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 uh, melody on the uh, keyboard, is I would because um, uh, I've done those with ethnic drums, and that's just very kind of cliched, you know. So I don't like that because I mean a lot of people have done that, and uh, I've done. I think the best thing to do would be to uh, try to um, if I'm going to program the drums and try to program what what I'd like a, a live drummer to to do, you know, to kind of vibe to create it. I think we have got to go a little more creative, a little more jazzy, a little more fills, which I can't really program that kind of stuff so I mean I'd good excuse to get a live drummer uh, and record that but uh, anyway it was the height of feeling you know of my illness my diseases and uh, so you know it's amazing I got anything done and I was amazed I didn't even hooked that thing up I bought it months and months ago um, from Sweetwater and, um, you know, on their recommendation. And I have to say this is one of the first time, well, not the first time, but where I got a recommendation and it, it exceeded, I mean, the other ones were the Dave Smith instruments exceed the reputation of Dave Smith and what you read about in uh, absolute sound and uh, other magazines. But this one, um, you know, I just hit me out of left field. It was really, you know, had everything that, uh, it seemed like the Moog didn't have, <laughs> especially that aftertouch, which makes it so that you can actually play another melody on top of your either melody or your 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 main uh, musical um, phrase. All right. Well, anyway, so now you know we have. Isn't this ugly? Greetings, in the name of the Most High. First of all, I, I'm. Uh, well, I'm, you know, uh, I had some, a little bit of fluttering yesterday. I'm just, I'm not sure how I'm doing. I'm, I think I'm okay. I'm, I think I'm doing better. People reporting that I'm doing better. People reporting that the, um, I know my mind is very sharp, sharper, more more tuned, and that's because I've got more oxygen going. So that's helping to, to, to bring me back to like a more normal writing thing. So it's going to be reflected there. And today you will be getting another chapter. I know I have a lot going on today, but there's always room for a podcast. There's always room to talk about God, you know. And here's the thing, okay? So I'm just going to give you my take. And, and uh, 
you know, now all the infighting has begun. And I, and so here we are again, back in, I almost felt like calling brother Thomas up. I, I've, I've, uh, had a conversation with him when I was delirious, when I was, uh, going in for an endoscopy and, uh, you know, other things. And he was saying he didn't, he had no, he had no insurance. So he wasn't going in for anything. And I just said, well, brother, don't get sick. Because the hospital, even if you go to the hospital with the insurance, it's not going to, I'm just thinking of a, a big gap in my treatment right now. And it's, it's their fault. It's, they're stupid. You know what I mean? And, 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 and uh, the amount that I would have paid without insurance, holy moly, for, you know, the hospitalization and all the stuff and the, you know, 911 and, you know, the ambulance and all the other things, every little thing they're going to hit you with. I mean, it, 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 it's enough to break break people and, and destroy their, their, you know, their retirement, their lives, their, their, their survivability. It's out of control. You know, when certain, like a shot of medication costs like, you know, $1,500, don't you find that out of control? Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really just a, a travesty. And, you know, and, um, you know, I have, have a, 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 you know, um, uh, you know, a Medicare Advantage wraparound because of my age, I'm able to get that uh, advantage of uh, uh, a very low copay. But if I didn't have that, I've, I guess I'd be dead right now. You know, on the one hand, they save you, but on the other hand, the the, tr- the through treatment to get to health is the you know is and don't get me started. You know what I mean and. and I got yelled at by a doctor yesterday. She goes, oh, so you did all this research. I said, yeah, I do all the research on everything. If you're going to give me a drug, I'm going to research the whole drug. I'm not just going to take a drug. And I'm going to research the, you know, uh, the field of, what am I in now here, urology and, and kidneys and bladder. And, you know, I've got problems in the bladder area right now. And I'm not, I'm starting to think that I'm on the wrong track but anyway, it doesn't matter. Like I say, I'm going to leave it in God's hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Okay. So, I know. I'm digressing like a, like a mofo. Sorry about that. Trish? Uh, more caffeinated beverage, please. Thank you so much, dear. She's, uh, if she's going to be my producer, she's you know has to fetch me some... I can't just get up and go get it. You know what I mean? I'm kind of stuck here. So if she wants me to keep going, and she does, she wanted to want her podcast today. So here's the deal. Bottom line. Okay, so there's a little bit of blood in the water. Like the globalists and the, you know, basically the, the child-murdering and, and flesh-eating Satanists who run the world and have all the money and have everything and we're just their slaves. Those people. Um... You know, there, there's, they're, they're, they've been wounded now. They're wounded. Okay, they're hemorrhaging in the water. And we, you know, kind of, we talked about this a few months ago, about getting into it. You know what I mean? They lose, right? They, they never, there is no new world order. You know, that, that's a, the idea of trying to make everything like China is a complete joke. China is a joke. A complete, total, buffoon, ha-ha, clown show. You know, on steroids. Got, you know, well, when you don't know how to lead, just go ahead and crush the people. 
It's like a, it's like one of these, um, you know, like one of these anime cartoons. It's, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, it's ridiculous. The lack of sophistication is embarrassing. The lack of education is embarrassing of Xi Jinping. The lack of understanding of human behavior is embarrassing. The, the idea of just brute force is all the, this like bully thug can come up with shows that he's just basically a criminal. You can apply the same, uh, you, you know, appellations to, uh, you, you know, to Joe Biden and, you know, they made him Al Capone. So he's got all this. Look at everybody bow to kiss his ring, even though he's a lesser man. He still has the power, right? He has the mantle. Even though he's stupid as all get out. He's, he's as dumb as a box of rocks. He's as dumb as they come. You know, he's dumb enough to go chasing around little girls, you know, in front of the cameras. I mean, that's, that's, a stu- that's after being accused of pedophilia. You, you, is that something you would do? If you were worried about that, because, well, he's not worried because he's so arrogant that, uh, you know, he figures he'd leave cocaine around. I'll do whatever the fuck I want to do. No one's going to bother me. But here's the thing that's disturbing. So there's blood in the water. I can hear them going, come on, Z, come on, stay on the topic. Come on, (laughs) don't wander. (laughs) Come on, give it to us straight. (laughs) Okay, I will. So all these people seem to be, you know, um, now with the victory of, uh, uh, you know, the sound of freedom, which is, a, you know, don't get me wrong, that's a huge victory. That's, that's a, you know, that uh, was started in 2017. I wish they had consulted with me so we could have set them straight on a few things, uh, particularly the enormity of the issue which seems to be something that nobody seems to get. That was the time QAnon had just come out just uh, in 2017. So it's not true that, that they hadn't heard about QAnon because QAnon came out during the massacre of 2017. Now, they may have sold it in 2017 to Disney. Is that what happened? Okay. Well, maybe they did make it before QAnon, but <clears throat> it's not the 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 Renfield pedophile backers like Rolling Stone and CNN and that's what they do they're just basically pedophiles they're human traffickers they back the trafficking they back the drugs they back the system okay and um they always have though and we've always known that and we've always called them out and everybody has always called them out now it's almost like it's a new thing to call them out and i'm you know they chase down that guy, Miles Clee, you know, and, and tell him he should, if he you know, goes to prison, he'll learn what street justice is. And I guarantee you, he won't be walking out of there. You know, and that's, that's absolutely true. That still applies today. That still applies today. A lot of the prisoners are prisoners because of things that go wrong in their lives, because they were trafficked, because they were hurt. It doesn't mean everybody, but sometimes people react in a certain way or get hurt and get traumatized and then, you know, can become, you know, the kind of petty criminals that they actually go after. They don't go after the real criminals, the government. (laughs) So anyway, um, because the perception has so changed to be the government is the bad guy and they're trying, if you say that and you're a white supremacist, people say, so what? Call me anything you want. But we're all different colors. 
Yeah, and and if they if Mel Gibson wants to stand with uh, <laughs> Donald Trump, so be it. No, you be quiet. No, you're gonna have to be quiet. Let me talk. You that well? Come on now, Ben. Come on. He's, he's reluctantly. It doesn't mean you have to be still right there, huh? Where's your rope? He's pouting. Because he... Uh, so... Okay, I, I promise I'll get to the point. If, if Ben's will let me. The point is, is there's all this... Okay, so... The Patriots have formed an up-down hierarchy. Now, I told you in the beginning, the only one that can straighten out the human trafficking, and we saw this when we had 20 on 20, you know, and I'm thinking we should revive that prayer meeting every month. Um, and another uh, plug for, uh, you know, for, for <clears throat> the little treasure orphanage. You don't hear this on Patriot Radio, do you? Little Treasure Orphanage is trying to rescue seven women and I think a couple of kids from being uh, sold at auction and trafficked directly. So your contribution can go directly into, you know, buying the freedom of these seven women off the auction stand direct. Okay, now that, don't you find that to be a little bit more hands-on? than this sort of theoretical border thing and other topics, containers. and They were shipping containers of Chinese children into L.A. back in the 70s and 60s. Hey, there's a bird in here. No, I just threw a frisbee. That's not a bird? Oh, man, I'm, I'm losing my, mar my marbles. So, oh God, this is getting impossible. So I guess, you know, so there's this top-down hierarchy going on of uh, people wanting to take credit. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm like, but see, the foundation has been laid by all the people that were aware, that were praying to God, that did what they could do, but were awake and were spreading the word in their posts, in their position, at their dining tables, about COVID, about trafficking, about all of it, especially about Satanism, like 10 years ago, and about, um, you know, Satanists sacrifice people that they always have. It's just a norm of Satanism. They sacrifice people. They, they kill people. They eat the flesh. They drink the adrenochrome blood. They do, you know, they kill kids. They kill fetuses. They, they, they're involved in cloning. They're, they're you know, it's, it's, it's an ongoing... You know, they are an abomination, obviously, and they are also in charge of the world. Why? Because Satan rules the world. And because Satan rules the world, they're in charge. Doesn't that make sense? Well, that's what they think, if you ask them. Any of the spiritual ones, they'll tell you that. So, you know, let's keep it simple. Okay. And so they're very arrogantly, since they have all the money, they own the U.S. military the Joint Chiefs of Staff, like Lloyd Austin, he is completely 100% loyal to the regime, okay? 
And they're willing to use the military, the Department of Justice, the FBI, the CIA, and every other asset to go after anyone who is a nationalist or wants America back or wants America to be by the rule of law or the Constitution. They're willing to do anything. So the people that have joined them, though, are promised amnesty from their pedophilia because almost all the people involved, your, your, your politicians, your mayors, your governors, who are saying that there is no trafficking are themselves traffickers, okay? Because even like housewives were trafficking in children from containers back in the 60s and 70s, back in Beverly Hills, Hollywood, you know, Malibu, Brentwood, uh, you know, the West Side. That was going on. They have networks. Albuquerque, New Mexico, just 10, 10 or 15 years ago, uh, reports from people that are working on the inside trying to make a difference of 10,000 brothels. 10,000. 10,000 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Why? Because Albuquerque, New Mexico is the crossroads of the 25 and the 40. They meet in the, in, the, in the downtown portion of Albuquerque, New Mexico. So that's where you're going to have a lot of trafficking centered there, and then from there up to Denver and up to Chicago. And, um, you know, and, and, and it's, it's, it's a well-known hub. It's a well-known hub. And so these, you know, girls mainly, that in these kind of like apartments where they have um, offers, sex, massage, whatever, you know, whatever vice, um, a lot of them don't speak English. They don't know where they are. They're kept on heroin and other drugs, and they're, and they're used, uh, you know, over and over all day long. But, see, here's the problem. I said, how can you have 10,000? They said, well, it shifts more or less, but it's 10,000 residences, areas, you know, apartments, apartment houses, apartment complexes. So that makes it a little more understandable, a little more believable. Because I had a hard time believing it myself. I just kept saying, 10,000, that just seems insane. I don't, what, how, where do you get that? Well, it was one man's research, so, I mean, you can question it. So, well, let's say there's, okay, so for the sake of skepticism, let's say there's 2,000. About 500. You know, whatever number you come up with, it's, 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 it's too much. And so what happens is people go to these apartment complexes, and they're mainly, you know, they're mainly all um, immigrants, and, and um, they're not all Mexican uh, nationals, but they're, they're, they're from, you know, Guatemala and different, you know, South America. But there's also uh, Chinese, and there's... Middle Eastern, and there's all kinds of people involved. In, uh, because, see, who runs those brothels and who, who, gets the, who, who benefits by them is the, 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 the people, are the people in charge of America. They're the ones that uh, are the big traffickers. They're the ones that have the brothels. They're the ones that fly kids for example, the UN. How does the UN uh, have its budget to fly children around? And I remember Govinda was talking to me about Haiti because he had gone down to Haiti to help with the relief after the earthquake. Remember that? And Sean Penn was there making a making an ass out of himself. Remember that? 
Well, well, at least he helped. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry he puts his foot in his mouth. You know, the, you know, if you say so and so isn't the president of Venezuela, you need to go to jail. If you didn't take the jab, you need to be in jail. Or you know, stuff. You know, arrogant, complete, totalitarian statements like that. I don't. I just, I just consider it. only a fool could say things like that. So, you know, um, so he's there and he's, and he's talking about uh, all the children. He, he's telling me about all the children that are being trafficked out of there by the U.N. And we talked about the U.N. I didn't go public with that at that time. But now it's all over the place and Alex Jones talks about it and everybody. So we can, I can talk about it. But the biggest trafficker back then... They used the Haiti earthquake as an opportunity to traffic children out from Haiti to parts unknown. And the children are all dead by now. Right? Used up and dead. Used by American politicians. See? See, that's the thing people are reluctant. Used by your CNN. Used by, you know, you know your Jane Fonda's. Your, what's that guy's name that, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, you know, the, you know, the wealthy, you know, you, the WEF, all these different agencies, the UN itself being, being the, the trafficking arm, the muscle, and on and on and on. And it all centers around human trafficking because human trafficking, as it's stated in the movie, is the number one um, moneymaker in the world by a factor of, you know, 10, 20 to 1. And so it's back as the number one thing. And a lot of it involves slavery, <clears throat> as we talked about for so many years here. In fact, I just feel like this is all a big repeat because I've been, I mean, you know, back in the year 2003, we talked about this for years and years. We talked about the coming communism. We talked about the new world order. We talked about Satanists. We talked, we, we, here, I was the one that exposed the fact that the Satanists weren't just you know, here and there, they were everywhere. It's the guy at the 7-Eleven. Well, that guy at the 7-Eleven, you know, was one of the guys breaking windows for Antifa when the riots were called. He went right to, snapped right to attention. Some of these people working in these little day jobs are armed and trained, and they're ready to go with their, uh, they've already got the hot rifles and the, you know, sniper rifles and the you know, semi-autos and, and, and even automatic weapons, um, you know, hidden. But, I mean, they've got their, uh, you know, arms ready to go because they have uh, secret training missions where they go train for this coming day when they're going to have to lock up the uh, public and lock down the public and confiscate the weapons. And they recruited... so. When you talk about Satanism, I talked about everybody. I, in fact, when I talked to him about a guy, George Norrie, and he was mocking me, it just shows George Norrie's on the wrong side. I don't care what you say. He's, he's never come clean. He's, he's always been, um, you know, on that side, along with his predecessor, Art Bell, and all the rest of them. Uh, you know, they play ball. So what's, why is that? It's like Steve Quayle, same thing. Why is that so difficult? I remember that's when, when uh, the late Russ Dizdar, God rest his soul, um, came after me and had to depart company from me because I said something true about Steve Quayle. I said, but Russ, you don't understand. 
Steve put out a circular letter to all of his talk show hosts that he was sponsoring that if you go on Zeph's show, I'm going to cut you from this show. So you see, Russ, you're being disingenuous. You're just doing the bidding of Steve Quayle to make sure you don't get fired. That happened. And I'm a witness. Now, aren't you glad I stayed out of all this? So I could talk about it. None of these other people can talk about any of this stuff. But what it shows me is the kind of character that you have in this huge pylon to be famous, to be a famous patriot exposer of the truth, just like Alex Jones or whatever, and to take some of that credit and get some of that money. And money is the bottom line, not freeing the children. And you see, that's the problem. When you start mingling money in with it, it starts becoming something that is not pure. When it starts becoming, you know, like, uh, we, you know, you say, well, Caviezel was in the Passion of Christ, blah, blah, blah. Yes, and it grossed over $100 million, netted, and then netted $100 million for, for Mel. He pocketed a nice hefty sum because of Hollywood wouldn't back it, but it had Mel Gibson's pedigree on there, and so it made money because it had the names, it had the backing, it had, you know, Mel directing. You know, and that's obviously going to be a big draw. Obviously going to make a lot of money. It could have gone the other way, but, I mean, Jesus is pretty popular. He did it very well. And and so, you know, there was, there was a you know, big benefit. I don't, I don't disparage him the, the, the getting paid for it. Just acknowledge that you're in the business of making films for money. You're making that film for money. You're making the passion of Christ for money. You're making somewhere, uh, you know, the the um, the sound of freedom was made for money. You know, tapping a very big audience, um, you know, and 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 really the timing um, with the Disney thing, the timing couldn't have been more perfect. Um, same thing with the documentary that I'm in, and it it goes even deeper into this, into one man's nightmare with these people, mine, and uh, commentary from, you know, some famous people. Okay, so that, I can't really talk about that right now, so I'm not going, I can't talk about it because of uh, sensitive negotiations and things, so I can't talk about it, but I'm just going to say that, you know, I'm watching the timing of it, and it, it just couldn't be better. For it to be, uh, you know, uh, you know, seen by the public, and and it's about, um, you know, surviving, you know, you know, uh, satanic ritual abuse, trauma, crime, murder attempts, uh, comas, and being completely, you know, disconnected from everything, you know, in youth and and in the fight to to come back and to to make a contribution to society. So I picked up the pen and took up screenwriting, um, you know, as a, as, as a, I guess, as a kind of a therapy. And it shows how I, you know, and then the first couple of scripts I wrote, one was a, a fantasy um, sci-fi kind of script, and the, the next one was society. And, uh, and I got so far with it and then collaborated with Rick Fry, and then we, you know, finished it and did a bunch of drafts and... Um, did a bunch of work with uh, Brian Usner with it, and eventually, 
you know, it, it went out there and became, you know, it was kind of goofy. The director, the direction was a little goofy, but then it, a lot of the points did hit home very nicely with the uh, sarcastic humor, sat- satirical humor. And then it went on to become a cult favorite because I think the reason why is because it's hitting on themes people want to deal with, which is the inequity, the 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 inequality, the 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 uh, the um, the 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 disparity between the rich and the poor and the fact that it's the game is rigged so that the poor can never, can never achieve that level. It's just, it's just a game that people are told to play. And if you keep your nose, the grindstone, you too can have a life and, and they show you retirement on TV. They show you all this idyllic stuff and it's all just a, a fairy tale. And the, the movie does hit, and back at the time where I wanted to write it, I channeled, you know, I mean, I pretty much wanted to, I guess, I guess I wanted to just be a terrorist. I mean, I'm, I'm being serious. I wanted to burn down LA or burn down certain things, you know? And so I picked up the pen instead. And that was a, that was a pretty smart move, but the anger is still there. The anger is still there even now. You know, and, uh, you know, not so much for the fact that I've, had my, uh, you know, I've had some privilege and had some ease here and there, but uh, the separation still remains uh, because I'm not going to, I'm not going to condone child murder. Okay, I'm not going to condone it, which is what you have to do to be accepted. You have to become a little Renfield to be accepted. And so if that's the case, then, well, fuck, man. Then it sucks. The world sucks. And these people that are running it all deserve prison. Every last one of them. Okay, yeah, I'm not going to let out the inner Zeph, but I mean, you know, my heart. You know, I can't stand to see injustice. I can't stand to see inequity. You know, when I say inequity, I don't mean the communist version. I mean inequity, meaning no chance for anybody except the elites, unless you're tapped. Uh, that system is uh, completely bogus, fake. And that means that everybody that's a star that people admire is bullshit. And that's the way I treat them because I'm, you know, I don't care anymore. I don't care about anybody. You know, I have no, I'm not a fan of anyone. It's just the way it is. Because I understand what's involved in it. And if you understand what's involved in it, then it's kind of hard to be a fan. Unless you're just a complete hypocrite asshole, then I guess it'd be easy. Right? Then be easy. Yeah, go on and, yeah, rape a few more babies. There you go. Hey, look at your career sore. Yeah. Yeah, well, all that's going on, but it's even worse than that. The worst thing we do, and I've completely blown the whole talk, the worst thing we do that, that makes us worse than China, okay? The worst thing America does is the trafficking in, in uh, DNA and body parts and, 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 you know, and components of the, bo- the human body that... Uh, DNA, things like that, sufficient to, to clone. Okay, that's the that worst thing we do, but it remains hidden. But that's the worst thing we do. 
because that gives incentive to everywhere where they handle babies, births, old, old people dying, fine, old, old DNA is DNA, you know. So um, it, it just, uh, uh, you, you've heard of all the, the premature deaths or deaths that, you know, weren't quite, right? You know, millions, right? Millions. And the COVID made it like there are millions worldwide and even more than millions, you know, hundreds of millions, right, around the world not reported, and they just look like deaths in hospitals. They're not keeping the accurate records anymore. So that means you're never going to know how many died. But if you look around, you get on the freeway, gee, this freeway looks a little bit empty today. Where are all the people? That's a good question. That's a good question. So who's winning here? Meanwhile... The, the patriots are all lining up to take credit for exposing all of this, whatever this is. And, um, and, and money to boot. Oh, yes, don't forget that. You know, and it's hard to watch it. It's hard for me to watch it. And take it seriously. I think you've been ill-served by a a lot of people that, that you were trained to look up to because they are successful. Rather than, you know, fellowshipping with people than sharing information and being on more equal footing with people is what you should be. We all should be that. We should not be having hierarchies and looking up to people and having worship of, you know, stars again. Please, that's just a repeat of what, what we've already done with Hollywood. Now it's happening with the so-called patriots and who could be the biggest patriot. And, and you know, now they're, you know, and sure, the left is melting down. But the left, you know, are so ignorant, they don't know what to do. They, they don't know what to do in response to what they're seeing. But then again, that's how we expected it would be, so there's not much need to talk about them. They're going to hoot and holler. They're going to burn stuff down. And they're going to, um, you know, d- do what they do. And the only thing that's going to determine the outcome of the whole thing is which side the military is on. Are they on the side of, say, a guy like Donald Trump? Are they on the side of Joe Biden? Are they on the side of Klaus Schwab? Are they on the side of, uh, you, you, know, you know, RFK or, you know, people that have a different vision for America and, and, and in general? Are Even better, are they on the side of the people who want freedom? Or, or are they on the side, you know, an, an opportunity and um, a chance to, to work, a chance to create uh, jobs, a chance to create... Uh, businesses and things that uh, would be vital for communities to have so they could sustain themselves and at the same time enrich the community. I think that's always a good thing. I've seen it over and over again. I've seen it work over and over again. But people still question it as if having a guy like Karl Marx sitting at the head of everything, dictating what you can have and what you can't have, is somehow a good thing. Rather than you being the one to take responsibility and dictate what you'll have for yourself. And then some people aren't meant to be working or anything. They're meant to wander. So let them wander. 
If you have a good burgeoning economy, wandering shouldn't be a big deal. But, the, but we get into this sort of puritanical work ethic, and then we, we attack those people, and that's wrong too. So, you know, it's, um, it, it, it really does... Um, I, I, I don't know what to think at this point. It just seems... I guess what I'm trying to do is stop it from being ruined. But, you know, all you get when you confront anybody and bring this up is total defensiveness. Yeah, I've sacrificed it. I've been, you know, you know what I mean. You know the drill. The complete defend, defending why they do what they do and how they do it and how it's a great thing for America and the world and how dare anybody judge or even point it out or even talk about it. Which is the first sign of somebody that's unhinged. If you can't take criticism, you can't take a question about your livelihood or what you're doing or, you know, an, an honest question from even a member of the press or somebody, you know, it's like, I can't believe you asked me a question about these shortwave radios or these satellite phones or whatever. I can't, you know, they're the best there are and we have to be able to keep going. We don't have a big, you know, AT&T or big pharma backing us. So, I mean, we've got to sell, we've got to do something to be able to even be heard out there. When all the groundwork for everything was laid by people, everyday people, that also were coming to an awareness. And there's a lot more people awake for a lot longer than people are saying. They're not just now waking up. They've been awake. They just haven't been counted. So that's my two cents on it. I Probably it's going to go... I'm, I'm not even going to be involved in it. I'm just... You know, I just say, hold the line, you know, whoever you are. Uh, you hold the line in your own life. When I'm at the doctor's office, I'm holding the line. When I'm, you know, when I'm, uh, you know, right, when I'm submitting writing to a publisher, I'm holding the line. You know, there's a, a line I'm not going to cross. Nothing is worth losing your soul over. And the whole reason that this stuff is exposed at all is because of God. It's because God has heard prayer and God is responding to the prayer of literally billions of people. Billions. You see Pakistan, it's just on fire for the Lord, the people that are just, and they're begging God for help to free these people from being thrown into slavery. And that's happening right now today. So that is a real fight right there. You're not going to hear about that. That's not going to be on somebody's podcast. You're not going to hear about the suffering that goes on there. No, sir, re-bob. You're going to be insulated and shielded. It's all one big TV show. It's like a game show on TV. You're going to watch the game show. Who's winning? Looks like the globalists are going to lose. And then, of course... When people want to make money, it's easy, you know, this is a big temptation, but scare the people that you're talking to. And then get them to buy survival gear. Look, I've seen it the whole time, ever since 2001. Since 2001, I've, I've gotten nothing but people trying to, you know, make a buck out of this.
And, you know, I don't think God appreciates when, when God does something and people say, I did that. I did that. I exposed it. I was the one that uh, brought it up way before those, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? The Sound of Freedom. Way before they ever got the idea, I was, I was boots on the ground. And, you know, I was arrested on July, uh, you know, January 6th. And I've done this and that. Everybody that's been involved in whatever way God has used them has been equally as important. Nobody here on earth, none of us humans are important. Uh, but when you start believing, you know, smoking your own supply... Yeah, you're gonna. You're, there's gonna be a problem, and uh, you know the problem is that the 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 result that's sought is never going to be realized. The slavery that's coming is, you know, in through the back door, and before you know it, you know, uh, case in point. Okay, so a guy who works for me here, he. Uh, He's telling me, do you hear what's going on down at the bank? He goes, it's terrible. He says, they're taking money out of his account. This is an American bank, a big one. They're taking money out of his account. I don't, I'm not saying anything because it has to be, it's on his word, but they're taking money out of his account. He doesn't know what to do. The other day it was, he had a thousand and then he has 200. That that level, right in your face, just like that. You know, so so what do they call that? That's bail-in banking? Okay, so he's getting that treatment. Now, I don't know what you think of that, but I mean, that's that's outrageous. He happens to be a... I don't know if it's a green card or whether he's a citizen. I'm not quite sure. You know, a Mexican began as a Mexican national. I don't know exactly what his status is right now. I know he has a permit to work. I know he pays taxes. But they're screwing with him big time. Okay. So in my view, that's a loss for all of us. In my view, they've won that one. And are we talking about that? I mean, that's terrible. How would you like... You wake up and you have, you know, a couple grand less in your savings account or something to that end, okay? So, so here you are and here's the bank doing this and people are losing the ability to pay taxes, to reinvest, to invest in the marketplace, to expand the economy, to create jobs, to, to to bring about a more harmonious situation in this hellhole. And but because now the banks are interfering and it's almost like he's not sure who to who to talk to. He calls them and they say, Well you gotta talk to the manager about that. And so now he's waiting to talk to the manager and he does he's trying to find a new bank to move to where they won't practice bail-in banking, where they bail themselves in by stealing your money. Okay, that was supposed to be one of the talking points 
that the Patriots would use to and beat that back so that, you know, Americans could have their own money so that the banks should never be allowed to have started bail-in banking. People were warned about six or eight months ago that the banks are going to start doing this, and they were warned about it, and they, they were told that you try to get the word out and, 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 and stop them, and it wasn't a done deal yet. We can still win. We can still beat them. And lo and behold, they've started doing it to the most vulnerable in our community um, already, and uh, nobody batted an eye. There was not one shot fired. And just imagine, this is going on in America. Bail-in banking, it, it should be the number one topic out there. It should be the number, everybody should be talking about bail-in banking. Here is a move that the, the, quote, New World Order made that, you know, basically because of the malfeasance of the, the World Bank and, and the EU and everybody else, and th they made this move without any approval of anything, and the people got screwed totally, and nobody has an, a phone number they can call. There's nobody they can call. And they can't hire attorneys because they're all poor. So what are they going to do? You know, by design, they're picking on the poor people. They're stealing money from the poor and giving it to the rich. What do you think about that? Shouldn't that have been a topic? Uh, shouldn't some of these people have talked about that? Talking about it and having it happen anyway means that you announce it, and then when it starts happening, you warn the people. It doesn't mean you just drop the subject. Okay, so we could say this. Well, God didn't bless the people here, did he? The people were not blessed in the banking business. The poor people were the ones that God allowed to be picked on. The ones who have no voice. Isn't that something, folks? Isn't that something that should be brought up? Isn't that something that's terrible? Something that should be screamed about? So when they bring the lockdown and jabs in next, people are going to go right along with it. In fact, you know, over at the hospital, they, they asked me, have you had the jab? Have you had the vaccine? I said, no. But then they look down at you. They've all had it. They all wear masks. They can't wait for the next pandemic. They're just, you know, jonesing for that next pandemic. They just can't wait to have those bodies flowing through there and off to the corner, you know, and picked up in buses and you know, Luhan Grisham busing him somewhere. Meanwhile, she's stolen people. She's moved the homeless around. She's moved people around. She's moved old people around. She's got detention centers and all kinds of things going in cooperation, too, with other states. And not no one's even questioned her. No one's even brought it up. They just say she's a great governor. What has she done? She did nothing. She destroyed the oil and gas business. She did that. She destroyed the oil and gas. That was the main business of New Mexico. She has, uh, and there's plenty out there to drill. It doesn't hurt the land at all. In fact, it replenishes. But don't, don't tell any uh, you know, climate change person about that, that fossil fuels regenerate, because they're just not going to believe you. But they do. They regenerate. 
God allowed allowed them to be here for our use and and regenerate for our continued use. It's, it's unbelievable. It's completely sick that the people would be punished so much. You know, I look at America as you know the le- the least of the painful countries, uh, but I do look at the world as this. From the moment people wake up, they're punished and whipped all day long till they can't handle it, and then they collapse in fatigue, and then they do it again the next day until they can't stand it anymore, and then they die, then they die. But they're punished every day, all day. When will that stop? I also hear a lot of the you know so-called patriots blaming the people that are quote awakening which i you know i have my doubts about that it's about uh i have a feeling that people are awake they're just keeping their mouths shut if you know what i mean <laughs> it's it's more let's be a little cynical shall we so so i'm you know so i'm looking at a situation which i don't think is going to get uh any better because um you know, I mean, I know that, that they're, the next time they have a lockdown and all that, they're going to bring military enforcements in. And if you have, you know, and, and gun confiscation, all the rest of it, if you do or say anything in China, you saw what they do. They just shoot you. They shoot you in the street. They throw you in a, in, in a body car, a, a car that just carries dead bodies. You know, and, 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 and that's the, you know, they... They take a group out, like, you know, they're going to replace them like, like the homeless. Who knows where they were taken? So they get the homeless and they take them out somewhere. Right? Or, or they round up people that are, you know, vagrant. And they just take them out in the, in the, in the, you know, on a dirt road somewhere and then shoot them all. And just put them in a shallow grave and drive away. Same thing out in uh, Nevada. We should be talking about that, about disappearing people. That is a, a topic for discussion. The disappeared, the people that have disappeared. Where are they taken? Now, now, is there proof? The only thing we have of Grisham, we don't have visual proof. What we have is that they, I think it was her office that announced relocating, relocating homeless and others into and old people into other shelters that were more um and and using some detention centers for that purpose for the homeless that's what we heard from her office or from people or from reporters or from somebody you know in 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 that circle you know fairly credible so bottom line on that is is what happened to those people where did they take them? Did they take them to Los Alamos to experiment on them? Well, they could have done just about anything, couldn't they? But this was at the height of the pandemic. They were rent- So what do you think they would do this next time around? They would be taking the dislocated people to uh, places where they would be dealt with. And what did they do in, uh, you know, in, 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 in uh, Nazi Germany? They would take them to these camps like Auschwitz and they would gas them and cremate them. 
they would in mass kill them. Well, isn't this uh, this American Holocaust? Isn't this what people are worried about? Now, how much closer are we to solving and eradicating the idea of being genocided? How how close are we to solving that problem so we have security, knowing that our own government and military won't turn on us? How close are we? Are we winning? Are we close? Are we are we are we any more secure than we were three years ago? Okay, so while all, so, so what that means now is that we should be giving everything to God and and really beseeching the Lord, Lord, please, you know, cover us with prayer, Get, have us create insights, have us say things that will will put this in perspective, Lord, use us all of us, to bring about your will and your love on earth, please, in Jesus' name. And, and so it's God's moving that creates any victory. So to God goes the victory. And people are in different positions of radio, money, no money, you know, every 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 you know, across the spectrum. Because God has put them there. If he's given you a, a lot, then you've got a lot. If he's given you a little, you've got a little. But he's given most everybody that he's called into service for it to be a voice, has been able with this new technology, even with very little, to be, uh, everybody has the ability to get a podcast. Everyone has the ability to to communicate across the world where they didn't before. Doesn't mean that you won't get canceled or something. It just means that, you know, God has made it so that communication can go out from the richest to the poorest. And, you know, and so the little guy that's standing there holding back the dam with his finger is uh, equally as important to the guy with the big megaphone. So that that's all I'm saying is that we need to keep this in perspective and, and, you know, I think it's, I do believe it's too, you know, it's, while there are victories like this sound of, of freedom, and that's a good thing, there needs to be a lot more of those, a lot more, you know, uh, movement in that direction. One thing that is positive that I've seen, and this I do like, is people, remember they used to call out anybody that's standing with Trump as being a racist? Remember that? Well, now uh, we're seeing people on the left-wing news, and they are just basically Marxist. Marxist pedophiles is what they are. And they're calling out, you know, and so we have no respect for them, right? So now they're calling out people like Mel Gibson, Joe Rogan, those, you know, the famous ones the rock stars of our movement. <laughs> God, it's so ugly when you say that. And, 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 and they're saying, you know, look, they're standing with Trump, these evil racists. Well, they're dead to me. The guy who said that, nobody cares anymore. Uh, just, they just dismissed it. They said, you, you're not anywhere near as famous as Trump. He just uh, so, shows himself to be a so so now when the left says you're racist if you stand with Trump, 
all the the you know the big guys no longer care. That's a good sign. They'll stay. You know, uh, are you scared if I, I'm going to call you a racist if you stand with Trump? You're a racist, and you go, I don't give a shit what you say. In fact, I'm not even going to defend myself. Call me a racist, asshole. Fine. General Flynn is. Uh, yeah. He said, "Be there or be." I'll, I'll stand with anyone we're, I want. We're training people to prepare to go after these psychopath pedophiles. Right, 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 they right. They're all sizes, shapes, and colors, and political philosophies. Well, Flynn's we got. We train people. To we all do. Flynn was a good egg, right? So. Flynn's a good boy. We knew that Flynn was a good egg, and but but see, they're operating on another level. They're they're still in society. I know what you're thinking. We're like misfits. But see, we have our role to play, and it's an important role, but nobody sees it, and that's fine. They have a role to play. It's lights, camera, action, and lots of hoopla, and lots of attention, and lots of media attention. So it looks like they're really doing the big yeomans or the big weight pushing, you know, 500 pounds on the bench press. But hey, you know what? It takes everybody, it takes God to, 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 to energize all the people. That's all I'm saying. And I just, I used to say, if you just stand there, you know what I mean? And you're not giving in. You just stand there. You just stood there during COVID-19. You've done us all a, a wonderful service and thank you for your service. I'm sorry that you don't get an award. I'm sorry that you don't get in the winner's circle. I'm sorry you don't get some of that Joe Rogan money. Or, or Roseanne money, or some of that money for yourself that you well deserve. I'm sorry that that that, but but God's the one that's divided it all up. He's done it for a reason, you know. Perhaps he has the more myopic people in the money position, and the more, um, you know, the more uh, spiritual people in the profit position. The profit doesn't make a profit. The P-R-O-P-H-E-T, only in America does the profit make a profit. In the world, the profit, the profits are always the these poor wanderers, <laughs> you know, and or whatever their provision is, they're not they, they may have provision, but it's 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 not as if there's an unlimited supply like the world would like to provide you with. It's like there's you know, uh, God, you know, will provide us with with provision uh, enough for us to do what we do. And if you use that to do for the Lord, and you're standing there in the gap, and the most important people in the world are the ones who stand in the gap uh, and pray. These are the most important people in the world. To God, these are the most important people. They're doing it without fanfare, without applause, without an attaboy, without a pat on the back. And whether God sees them or not, it's a matter of faith. And they're standing in the gap, praying for our country, for other people, for for all kinds of things. And these are the people. These are God's special people. These are like the, will be like the angels in the, in the end. They will be the meek inheriting the earth, where the other people that are riding high now, they will not be considered important. They won't be unimportant either, though. It won't, you know, with God, everything is kind of like non-hierarchical, non-linear, non-hierarchy. 
not not he's not bound by space and time. He's not bound by by pyramid schemes. You know, he's not bound by anything like that. So you hold you you know what you've done, and you know what you've done for the Lord. And you you know how the Lord has called you to do whatever you know. I remember one guy that was called to uh to he he took up his cross and he went down to I uh, forget what intersection in Albuquerque and he would stand there all all, all throughout the weekend because he was working during the week and he'd stand there holding that cross in the middle of the intersection. There's like a little a little island there. And he would stand there, and we'd drop by and say, hey, what's up? You know, I'd try to, you know, help him out a couple of times. But he was down there, and that's what God called him to do, to carry that cross. Hallelujah. That's what a, what a great service. What a great guy. That, that's Hall of Fame stuff right there. Not how the world judges success. God doesn't judge it that way. So part of this is, is, is we have to realign our thinking as to, you know, as to what's important and what isn't, you know, and, and, you know, forming, um, you know, fan pools of, of, you know, people following, you know, you know, Russell Brand, because he's really a patriot, you know, um, this, this is becoming the theater of the absurd. Nothing wrong with him. He's a, he's a funny guy, very smart, very fast high IQ and all that. But, you know, handsome, all, all those attributes. He's, you know, and a, and a clown. Um, but but he's not the end-all and be-all. If you think that's going to enhance, you know what I mean? Going to a Trump rally is not the end-all and be-all either. And then they parade these people on the stage, the various stars of today. Trump's new set of stars and He's never picked him too well, and hopefully he'll do a better job this time. But to be in a hierarchy with those people on top and you just some guy in the audience, you know, feeling unimportant, uh, you know, that's absolutely backwards. Right? You matter. Each soul matters a lot. Each soul is a universe. So, really... Um, we need to realign our thinking badly. That now, this is something we can do. We can do this today. We don't need to wait. Think about the banking. Think about the things that are already here. Think about the things that the New World Order has already gotten through. That we're we're we're, hold, we're told we're holding them back. We're holding them back. No, wait a second. Now, the water, the banking. That's a lot of stuff. The food. They've already gotten all this in. What victory? Hey, 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 listen. Where's your victory? We're holding them back. We could win. Where's that? Where's that? Food. Banking. Money. Food. Jobs. Taxes. Predatory IRS agents. What are you talking about? They're already unleashed. It's already through. Nobody voted on it. It's here. It's done. They've been here quite a while. And then Antifa and all these other groups being trained 
as, uh, as, as you know, basically mercenaries, uh, that's already, you know, going on as well. They're trained to come after you. Okay, so this is going on. They got all this through already. You think they're going to give it up anytime soon? The bail-in banking is a thing. When it comes down to my friend being a victim of bail-in banking, then it's getting very close, isn't it? We were told this wasn't, that we were going to stave this off. We were told we were going to slow down this human trafficking. So there's a victory of $40 million at the box office for a very moderate theatrical release. And I'm not saying that's, that's good. That's, that's good. It's the information's about five years old. You know, we already knew there were a million. We already knew there was a million five years ago. It's more like it's millions per year. Kids are being hunted. It needs to stop. We're not even talking about slavery. Uh, soldiers and things like that, the, uh, the slave soldiers, the slave workers, that's, there are people are being enslaved all over the world more than ever before. And people are still talking about reparations here. When this slavery is going on, we should all be on board trying to combat it. But to combat the slavery means we would be combating the New World Order. We would be combating the WEF. We would be combating the UN. We would be combating the global plans of the rich to subjugate, to kill all of us, pretty much, and then subjugate the rest of us to being test tube babies and, and to be, you know, to basically be an episode of Gattaca. You remember that film, with, I think it was with J-Lo and... Uh, and, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ethan Hawke, remember that? Long time ago. Anyway, uh, so it's already here. So resistance is, you know, I, I can tell you when I walk up and down the hospital halls to my various appointments because there's so many things wrong with me that I have lots of departments I have to go see. <laughs> and and there's a couple of diagnoses I got that I haven't done anything about, but I wonder if I'm lying to myself. Oh, sheesh. You know, I, I, I haven't told Trish this, but I feel like I'm kind of like a little bit like a, uh, you know, like a dead man walking. You know, like it's very, very delicate. Like things could just go black, you know, bone gone. And I'm, so get it while you can. Get me while you can, I guess. Not that I'm anything special, but I mean, you know, uh, you know, you can't take me for granted. Every day I show up here is definitely a miracle, according to what the doctors are saying. And, uh, you know, a uh, guy who wrote me, um, an old friend from the way back, uh, he uh, he's a fellow musician, um, and he heard, he heard, I guess, through the grapevine that I had, you know, medical problems. He hasn't had any, he says, which is great. Uh, 
And um, I th- I'm not sure that I've been handled. I think I might have made, I think we might have made a mistake in some of the treatments, but, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm um, whatever it is, we, we, we'll just see if, you know, we can get out of this. But he's, he wrote me and, he, and he's, you know, you know, praying for me. If you pray for me, just pray that they find a solution to everything. Everything can be solved. Like, for example, my kidneys were failing and now they're working again. And I think they're, they're, they're back up to a, a higher level. And uh, so that's a miracle. Uh, bladder's not working. And so that's, so, so that's a problem. <laughs> You know, there's the heart is. Uh, I had a fibrillation yesterday, so that's a concern. Um, you know, so all these were diagnoses, and you know, they're just uh, you know, they're just they're just there. They're little tiny things that. So I'm here by God's grace. Okay, I'm what. I am 100% convinced that God is the only reason that, that I was... Because I talked to a doctor yesterday, and she said she was in the ER when I came in. What did she say? What did she say? I didn't know she was in there. She was actually in the ER? What was she doing in there? To see me? Well, she just said you were like not here, not with us, or something, something along those lines. Yeah, she was. Uh, she was pretty amazed that you were doing as well as you're doing. She's amazed I walked to the office yesterday. Yeah. And that I knew what I was talking about about you know that I'd researched. Yeah. Things. I think she was impressed with your knowledge. Well, you can always make me artificial, you know, like you put artificial organs in me and maybe make me into like a robot except for the head, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we want the real deal. <laughs> that, that, Healed up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, looking back on it, I, I can see some things I should have done differently, but... Anyway, he had written me this old friend and, and his uh, daughter, I believe, and they're, you know, uh, pregnant, you know, and, and he said, well, you always talked about not going to the doctor and not dealing with this, not doing it. and I said, yes, and I still, as I look back on what happened with me, had I done a couple of things that I wanted to do in the first place, which I didn't do, I probably, it wouldn't have gone into that emergency level. It was, you know, my fault for not following through. And, um, you know, this was about three or four years ago. And then, you know, I just kind of let things go until it finally got to an emergency. But it's it's weird being, you know, and then, then I bought a, a, a book from, uh, it was a new thing from, from Stanley Kubrick. Uh, a, it's, a, it's a box of memorabilia. It's a uh, collectible book from Taschen, you know, the art book maker in, in uh, France. The, uh, they make 
big work of art books that you can, you know, I mean, if you're a collector of books. I'm not really much of a collector, but on the Stanley Kubrick stuff, I am. And uh, so I had this book of him uh, with his career as a photographer for Look Magazine. And then this one is The Shining, you know, arguably the scariest horror movie of all time. And uh, it's a box. And there's two books in the box, and then there's, there's like little, um, there's storyboards in there. There's all kinds of things uh, that, that went into the making of the movie. There may even be a DVD in there, but it was a, you know, it's a big, a big thing. And they made um, 1,000 of them. And uh, that's it. You know, so I, I, you know, I don't, I, I'm not really a big book collector. You know, it's a, it's a noble art to collect books. And what a great, uh, what a great reward to actually read some good words and thoughts. You know, that's an amazing thing. Uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, I was thinking about Hamlet today and how Hamlet got struck with a poison sword and then somehow he got the sword with the poison tip and killed the other guy who had the original poison sword that stabbed him. And then, so after that, then they all killed each other. <laughs> but everyone was dead. Oh, man, you know. Uh, you know, Shakespeare, one of the, uh, was another one of those guys, you know, you had to shake it up. And... uh it's just it's just amazing, you know. Um, but yeah, no books are a, a great reward because you see in a book, you get all those thoughts and all that. You know, people pour over their their prose and they try to get that deeper meaning. And you know, authors will sit there in a sentence for until uh, it really makes sense and and really resonates. And you know, you're getting all that labor. You're getting all that labor and insight. And it, it has to, as opposed to, say, Netflix, where most of the stuff is silly, you know, silly silly little movies, right? And, um, you know, nobody taking any, any chance on anything. No experimentation, no, you know, just rote, right? It, what it takes, I mean, that's the one thing about Kubrick and his films is... Uh, you know, the style may have been conventional in, in many of them, especially the early ones, but the uh, subject matter was always some controversial thing that he wanted to explore. And in making the film, he got to explore. So he, so the reason I think the films are fresh now, as they were then, is because he was making the film live. He wasn't pre-rehearsing it and then shooting it. He was exploring the topic during the filming and adapting future scenes uh, and rewriting them to adapt to his something he would learn along the way. He did this in The Shining. And um, uh, as a result, as a result, in making it a fluid situation like that, reality is fluid, by having it be fluid like that, what ended up happening is it made the film 
watchable 50 years later. You know, 60 years later. Right? You watch, you know, 2001 right now, it's just as fresh as, you know, even fresher. Uh, That goes for The Shining. The Shining was, what, 1976? Uh, Full Metal Jacket was also the 70s. Um, A lot of these films were, you know, Paths of Glory, Fear and Desire, Lolita, and there were a lot of them. And, and, you know, that's the advice I would tell to anyone. You want to be a filmmaker, um, just go get the Stanley Kubrick collection, get a Blu-ray player, if you can, books are even more expensive than this. Get the Criterion Collection of, of Stanley Kubrick, and you can get both of those things on eBay, cheap. Hook it into your great sound system and, and, and video game system and your screen. And then just watch and learn and learn. You know, why did he do that? Why did he do this? Why did he go there? Why did he go here? What's happening there with that dialogue? What, what, what's this about? What, what about those costs? You know, uh, you know, Clockwork Orange, he said he was making an anti-violence film. The truth of the matter is he was exploring anti-violence and he was exploring the question of whether the government should be involved in anti-violence and in, in taking violent felons and conditioning them to be anti-violent and what kind of repercussions that might have on society. That's what he was doing. People misunderstood him. They misunderstood what he said. And as a result, uh, you know, there's been a lot of criticism, which is unfounded. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm biased as a fan, so I just built, that's baked into the cake. I'm already biased. You know, I would consider um, him to be by far the greatest filmmaker of all time by a margin that's, that's almost like uh, watching, watching the horse-like secretariat come in for the, for the win, you know, you, know, you know, 20 legs ahead of all the other horses, you know, just not even working hard, right? Just kind of stride and into, into the, uh, into the winner's circle, uh, that's how it is watching a Stanley Kubrick movie compared to, uh, like I just watched the other day, um, the uh, second half of Full Metal Jacket, the, the half that's in Vietnam. It's really two-act play. So the first half is training, the second half is Vietnam. And he said he wanted to make an anti-Vietnam, an anti-war film uh, using it. And what he did to explore is he created a character, I think, that's reflective of his process that, called The Joker, where he had the peace sign and kill them all on the same helmet. And they even asked the guy about, why do you have a helmet that says that? What's wrong with you? That's weird. But that's where Kubrick was, I believe. I believe that was an embodiment of, you know, I I believe that was his struggle to understand that, you know, yeah, if you're in a war, you kill them all. And he was also a war correspondent. And and you also... uh, you know, you, you know, you also want peace, and so he's dealing with the actual mechanism of humanity, of wanting that peace, but having to go to war, and that's been our, you know, our fallen nature from the beginning, and uh, and here he is grappling. He's not grappling with the Vietnam War and whether that was a just war or not. 
that had little to do with what he was doing. Plus, he also was considering uh, what if you had a good person, uh, you know, you know, he had, a, he had a lamb in there, and the lamb cracked up, and then the, the, he ended up shooting him. You know, an, an, innocent, an innocent guy who just joins the Marines. And he can't seem to like tie his shoelaces, and he can't seem to he he means well, but he just keeps screwing up over and over again. And he's innocent; he looks like an innocent baby in a way. And uh, but eventually they have to turn on him, and when they do, he changes and he becomes, a, you know, a killer, a violent killer. Well, there's a truth in that, in that they find, you know, some of these people have shot up the mall, or shot up the, you know. The, there are people like that that are like ne'er-do-wells who they, they mean well, they're innocent, they get picked on, they're not invited into the cool kids' table, they're rejected, and then eventually they retaliate. And um, so he did have that as a microcosm, I think, of, of the human condition. In other words, that, that you know, Lawrence, uh, 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 what did they call him, Gomer Pyle, he... Uh, he represented, in a way, the, the innocence of America, the sort of deflowering of America as America became jaded. And then we went into, you know, I mean, I'm sure that's an unconscious thing that I'm just picking up on, but it's something like that. And then the, uh, and then the war itself, which showed, you know, that it was just uh, futile. You know what I mean? It's just, it's a joke. It's, um, and, and it's damn awful when you lose people. And uh, so, you know, that was also a time where we had Apocalypse Now before that, and we had all these other films, but I'd say this, that Full Metal Jacket beats Apocalypse Now by a very wide margin, you know. People say, oh, that's a genius film. Well, it's, it's got its moments, but it's, it's, it's not, uh, it, it just is not as, as, uh, as idea-laden, I would say, you know, it's got ideas in it, but it's 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 really like it really has to do with the war making people go mad. You know, that's really what it is—a a psychological trip. Whereas Full Metal Jacket is a is a more of a spiritual trip. It really involves the the whole thing, and even as a metaphor for the for the country itself, and uh, you know, and, and the and the hubris of, uh, you know, putting people into battle for petty things, like, in this case, it turned out to be drugs. Would, would America waste a bunch of wonderful young people, tens of thousands of them, just to get their drug thing through? You don't think they would? Of course, they've already done it, and they're going to do it again, and they're doing it today with a fentanyl. You don't think we have uh, American agents involved in helping facilitate the sale of these drugs at the border and the driving of up into these city centers? How does fentanyl get up to Portland, Oregon? How does fentanyl get up to Denver? How does fentanyl get up to Chicago? How does fentanyl get to New York? How does fentanyl get to uh, Vermont, of all places? It couldn't happen without facilitation of some kind, without traders you know, amongst us who are, who are helping to, to, to move that uh, trade along. And same thing with, with trafficking. You know, there's, 
And I think Govinda's mother said it best. She said, look, if there wasn't um, demand, uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have trafficking. My dog, I apologize. Well, I'm going to go ahead and hang up now because I got uh, a lot to do today. And, and uh, one thing is I've, I've got another chapter going and I'm focused on this, like this little, not a Petri dish, but you know those like uh, paper cups you'd get out of the, the drinking fountain days of old? Any of you old enough to remember those? You pull your paper cup down. Maybe they still have them. I don't know how, you know how they're kind of perforated? Not perf- well, they're not perf- they're cut and then they're they're pleated. There's my word. Thank you. Pleated. They're they're pleated. Pleated paper cups and then and they put medication. Those cups have gotten very small. They used to be really big. And I've noticed this. So I had to put a picture of that in the chapter, chapter five, which is basically, you know, he's Try to regather. They have to hook them back up to the uh, to the IV tree. Now the IV tree. People don't realize this. Okay, IV tree has several IVs on it. You know, you're probably having if you have a bacterial infection, you're taking twenty four seven. You know, antibiotics. But there's also another other monitors on that tree, and there's a a thing that uh, that that hooks up to you that has like ten wires in it. Okay, and that's what I fought through. That's what I broke, and that monitors your heart, along with you know. And then there's other monitors they stick on your chest that monitors your heart. So you have the heart monitor. You've got this other thing that's monitoring the uh, you know you know. The, the, there's the IVs. They last about you know each infusion is about an hour, right? Half hour to an hour. So there's a bunch of there's a bunch of stuff on the tree, and I just was thinking of something funny. Would you, if you want to go up and go to the bathroom, there, there's a bathroom there, but the tree makes it so that you're like a foot away from the toilet. You can't get there unless you unless you somehow unplug the tree from the wall. Okay, so. Yeah, so you have to get help uh, to go to the bathroom. It's very, you know, it it it, it, it feels very much like a prison. And um, yeah, same thing, you know. It's it's, it's a couple of aides standing by, and there you are in the bathroom, and you know you're you're trying to tune it out, but they're just standing there, and and uh, it's it's. Uh, not a healthy environment, but what I would do is I'd make it so that there is a way if you needed to go to the bathroom, you could take the tree with you. It would at least stretch that far, you know, and then and it makes beeping. So if you do anything to it, it starts beeping really loud. You know what I mean? And then everybody says, you know, and then they, and, and then they get mad. They go, what did you do? I didn't do anything. I was sleeping. I was trying to go to the bathroom, whatever. You know, and then and then you get the you get the you know scolded. And um, anyway, I put in my uh, I put in my um, they they sent me a survey of how the hospital stay was, and I uh, you know I I told them exactly what I thought about the nursing staff, 
And uh, the doctor, you know what? The doctors were fine. I had no problem with the doctors. The food was terrible, unedible, and the and the and the and the nurses were absolutely. Uh, they were they were mean in a way that just seemed almost to be reflexive. Like they're just mean to begin with when they're hired. Yeah, well, there's always a couple, but I mean, the preponderance, the system, the, the overall oppression of being there is just, you know, you could ring the buzzer, you know what I mean? Maybe you'll see somebody in a while and they go, why did you push that? Uh, because I felt like it, bitch, you know? Why do you think I pushed it? That's the way you have to be. If you act like that with them, then they start being nicer. But I mean, they're still not nice. They're still, they still, seriously, if you never saw one, you'd be better off. You know, it's just like somebody comes up to you and standing about three feet from you that could care less whether you live or die. That's not the kind of person you want in your room. You know what I mean? You want someone in there who wants to you know, cheer you on in getting better, right? A nurse, somebody that cares about people. Somebody that that wants to have people heal on her unit, on her ward. And who wants to see you discharged and happy and back with your family. That's, is that so much to ask? Not a place to display racism, if you're, you know what I mean? And, you know, racism and, and, and every other kind of ism. Racism pretty ugly. You know, it's, um, it's understandable with the programming on the TV and, and how everyone should be racist against white, white males, um, you know, especially boomers. You know what I mean? It's like it's like you can see the daggers coming out in their eyeballs. You're just ready to stab us to death. But that kind of hatred, that's, that's TV hatred. That's like they're programmed. These people are all programmed to be mean and predatory and cruel. So why would they hire them? I mean, why hire people like that? And obviously... There's got to be other complaints because they send you a questionnaire privately. Yeah, they send it to you separately from the hospital. So anyway, you know, they all pretty much got a failing grade. And, you know, hopefully, you know, that that when that survey comes out and they they get enough signatures, they actually say there's a place you can go online. You can check the the survey to see how it's going. But, um, you know... Until they get caregivers and others that actually care about people, rather than punching the time clock. This is what's just, you know, it gets to be five minutes of five, and oh boy, there's the punching that time clock going on, you know? And it, 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 just, it just shows a person that just hates their job. You love your job, you're going to make sure things are right, things are tidy, everything's good for you to go home. Maybe you leave at 5.10. Maybe you leave at 5.30. You know what I mean? You're not really aware of the time because you're enjoying your job. It's, it's fulfilling work, and you're, you're happy to be there, and you 
want to make it nice and you want to have it, you know, organized so that when you come back tomorrow, it'll all be set. That, that kind of, you know, that makes you more conscientious. But if you hate your job, you're going to be checking out at a quarter of or 10 of or, you know, your desk kind of messy, not, not everything in order. And then if, God forbid, a patient needs something and you have to go to the room, make sure you give them bad vibes so that they can just go ahead and die because that's easier. If they die, it's easier to take that body to the morgue, lock it up, or even go cremate it. That's easier than uh, having to do rounds. Oh, don't get me started. You know, I'm sorry. I've got to say this for the book. You know, when you think of them as a witch's coven, though, and you start thinking about the voices and all the dead, you know, the, there's the memories of the dead all throughout the hallways and up in the rafters, outside the window, and there's noises on the roof. And um, you start seeing the dead crying to you for help, saying, Zeph, I was murdered here. Zeph, they murdered my father. Zeph, right? You hear them. And they, they want justice. And, um, you know, after the COVID thing, just think how many of these hospitals have blood on their hands. A lot. Think about how many have murder on their hands. Think about how many have dismembered, you know, living beings and sold the organs, telling the family that the uh, their son or daughter or whatever was deceased and they had been cremated. Think how easy it would be to say that, have the paperwork signed off on, and then keep the body alive for harvesting. Think how easy that would be. See what I mean? You can't trust people in, in that kind of situation. You know, to be on their best behavior and not fall into a criminal organization that has huge demand and pays huge money for organs. I mean, giant money. 150000 for a spleen, you know. You know, 100000 for a stomach, you know. Things like that. All right, all right, all right. No, no, no. You stay back. Okay. That's it. Beds. That's it. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Why would he do that? Why does he have to do that? Why do you have to do that? Well, we have to play one of our... I got in trouble with one of our songs last time. I put on a... Uh, what was it? A uh, song that was a licensed song and I don't have a license for it. It was a remix. Pretty obscure song, but uh, SoundCloud uh, 
These go up to SoundCloud, too, if you want to listen back over there. But, um... Right, trying to find a... Nah, not so much filled with piss and vinegar. More like scary now. There are ghosts in those hospital hallways. You know? Can't you hear? 